uh, I tell you, as you are, uh, I'm sure, like me, if you're looking at all the headlines and everything that's going on, and I mean, it's like, wow, I mean, it can make you depressed. Everything that's going on between all the, uh, the back and forth with the, with the candidates, I guess you can call them that, and, and all of the, um, the stuff with, you know, going on with Russia. I feel like I'm back in 1987, you know, and, uh, we, and there's just a lot of weird things going on, and it makes you think, man, we're living in the end times, uh, and there's this, um, can, can it get any worse? And we're going to find out, yes, it actually can. Because today, we're going to uh, dive in a little bit more into Revelation, and we're going to be in chapter 6 and chapter 7 uh, here. So if you want to get your copy of God's Word and, uh, and turn to that, you can also look at the YouVersion Bible app. Uh, you can find that at Bible.com and, and do a search uh, for Lake Point Church, and then you can find that uh, out there, and, um, and then um, it'd be awesome. Um, okay, so the first week, we talked about the seven churches uh, and uh, at Asia Minor, and Asia Minor, which is present-day Turkey, and um, Jesus wrote basically a letter to the seven churches, and uh, he was saying, uh, doing things like, okay, are you, you're, you're lukewarm, you've lost your first love, those kind of things, or you're, you're doing a great job, but I, I feel your persecution, I can hear your cries uh, for help, <clears throat> And so we looked at that, those seven churches of Asia Minor, and we, and we asked, okay, are any of those churches represent us? Okay, not as a church, but as an individual. Do any of those churches um, represent us? Are we in those places, like, are, are we lukewarm? Okay, have we lost our first love? Or are we really striving and walking with the Lord, but we're just being persecuted? Well, there's hope for that. Then last week, we went right on into uh, chapter um, four and five, where we looked at the throne room of God, and uh, we uh, we looked at what that was, uh, what that sort of looks like in the eyes of John, the best that he could describe it. And uh, so Jesus, in the midst of in the midst of John's troubles, he was the last disciple. All the disciples have been martyred, killed. Um, there's persecution in the church. He was exiled to a remote island, and so. John, one of the disciples, uh, was in the midst of just a lot of despair, a lot of frustration. And so uh, he, he, he was losing hope. And so Jesus and, um, came to him, and uh, the, the angel came to him and said, Look, well, I'm going to show you something. Come here. And he showed a picture and showed a vision of the throne room of God. And what we were reminded last week is that God is on his throne. God is on his throne. In the midst of all this stuff in this life, God is on his throne. It doesn't matter what president we have, what person we have serving in the office, because you know what? God is on his throne. Now, you need, to, you need to go out and vote. You need to pray. In fact, starting November 1st, we're going to be doing a fast, your vote, campaign ourselves here at Lake Point Church. We're going to give you uh, a prayer guide. In fact, you can go to our website and get it right now. We can give you a prayer guide that gives you things to pray for for seven days. We're going to ask you, we're all going to do this, whoever wants to. We're going to encourage you to fast something in your life. Some of you may, you know, I want to fast a certain food item, or I want to do a media fast, or I want to fast from talking to my mother-in-law, or those kinds of things. 
whatever fast you have, whatever fast you want to do, then you can go ahead and do that. And so um, we encourage you to fast and pray for seven days. So we're going to start on Tuesday, November 1st. We can all remember November 1st. November 1st, fast and pray all the way to Election Day, and, uh, which is November 8th. And so that is what we can do. Christians don't freak out. Christians don't bicker and argue and blah, blah, blah on, on social media, whatever, about all this stuff. You know what Christians do? We pray. We get on our knees and we pray. Because we can't do anything about it except cast a vote. But we're going to do something more. We're going to fast our vote. And we're going to encourage you to pray starting November 1st. You'll hear more information about that next week. But God is on his throne. Who cares who's in the White House? Because God is on his throne. And I know in this world it's so easy to let that get, let troubles and frustrations and distractions get in the way. And me, I'm way ADD, all right? And so for, there are things in my life that's like, oh, wow, bright, shiny squirrel, you know? And so those are things in my life that, that sort of block uh, the, some of the most important things, such as God is on his throne. So I want to encourage you. Read chapters um, 4 and 5 and, uh, and just remind yourself that God is on his throne as you, as you read that. So today, we're going to pick up right where we left off, uh, chapter 6 and 7, and we're going to see this, the, the scrolls of the seven seals um, that only Jesus can open. Okay, so we're getting into some really cool stuff here in Revelation. Okay, I know we're always, we're, we're ready to dive into the, the freaky stuff of Revelation. You know, like the mark of the beast, you know, and the 666 stuff, that's a little bit later. You know, everybody likes to get into that, 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 that sort of uh, prof, uh, prophecy of Revelation. And we're going to get into that starting a little bit today. But as we saw last week, God was holding a scroll while he was on his throne. And there was nobody that can open the scroll. And on the scroll was sealed with seven seals. And no one could break the seals except for the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. And so he's going to open those up today. Picture with me, if you were to give me a few envelopes... And those envelopes were sealed. And, and, and one of those envelopes, the first one, said something like this. Frank, you and your house are going to have a leak in your house. And that's what it said. And then the next envelope was, you open it, and we broke the seal. Then it says, Frank... You and your house, you're going to experience some water damage on your nice wood floor. And then, then you open up another seal. The next seal said, Frank, your wood floors are going to buckle because of the leak in your house. And then another one where it says, you know, Frank, you're going to have, you're going to have ceiling damage in the basement. Because of the downpouring from where the leak could be coming from. Doesn't tell us where the leak is. 
doesn't tell me when it's going to happen. Frank, you're going to have carpet damage in your house because of this leak. And you, we open up these envelopes and we break the seals one at a time. And we know what's going to happen. We just don't know when it's going to happen. And we don't know where it's going to start. But we know it's going to happen. So what this does, it gets us ready, right? It gets us ready for this thing that's going to happen. I wish that that actually would have happened, meaning I wish that someone would have given us those envelopes a, a couple of weeks ago because we had that leak this week in our house, and it's been a really, really big mess, and it's been a major distraction. And I need to confess something to you as a pastor. I need to confess something to you. I didn't see God on his throne at all this week. In fact, I saw the, the, the throne in the bathroom on my back porch, and it's still there. So I didn't see God. I don't want you to have that image, wrong image of throne. You know, anyway. So, you know, I, I, I did not see God, uh, you know, in, in, his, in his majesty this week. Why? Because I was distracted. I was frustrated. All these things. And, and to kind of just realize, you know, it's just, it's just a house. I mean, it, there's, yeah, there's, there's people coming in and they're helping me, but, but it could be a lot, lot worse. But I say all that because, you know, in the seals that we have here in, in uh, chapter 6, we've been given what's going to happen. We've been given what's going to happen. The, pro- the problem is, though, just like in my, my sort of example in our life, uh, the problem is we don't know when it's going to happen. And uh, we don't know every detail, but we know that, uh, that there's going to be some of these things happening. So we're going to turn right into Revelation chapter 6. And I'm going to stay close to my notes uh, this, um, for this series. And the reason why is because I don't want to mess anything up. And so, um, so I'm going to stay pretty close to these notes and uh, because this is, you know, Revelation is a, a big deal. So, uh, Revelation chapter 6, verse 1 through 2. And I mean, I, here's what I want to do. I'm going to pray before we, uh, before we get into this uh, passage. Father, we, um, we thank you, Lord Jesus, for showing us uh, what's going to take place. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the only one who can break the seals. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for not just hiding this uh, from us, but you're, you've showed the, this not just in Revelation but in several books of the Bible. And so open up our ears and hearts and mind to receive what you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so um, in uh, Revelation chapter 6, the apostle John describes the lamb, Jesus Christ, opening the first seal, verse 1 and 2. I watched as a lamb opened the first of the seven seals. Then I heard one of the four living creatures say in a voice like thunder, come. I looked, and there before me was a white horse. Its rider held a bow, and he was given a crown, and he rode out as a conqueror bent on conquest. So the picture is pretty straightforward, and it is not intended to be uh, very complicated. Um, the rider of the horse is given a crown. That is, he is given a, a type of authority. What does a rider have authority to do? He has the authority to conquer and to continue conquering. Christ has unleashed the power um, to conquer. These first four seals that we're going to talk about, the first four of them reveal what is commonly called the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Uh, We read about these horses and riders in Zechariah, which is the book in the Old Testament, which is a prophet. Zechariah chapter 1, verse 7 through 11. And Zechariah chapter 6, 1 through 8. 
In chapter 1 of Zechariah, these horses and riders are shown to be sent by the Lord to patrol the earth. In chapter 6 of Zechariah, we see these horses and riders commanded to patrol the earth. The key to understanding this image is found in Zechariah chapter 6, verse 5. Let's look at this verse. Again, this was written hundreds of years before John, before even Jesus came on the scene, written by a prophet. So, Zechariah 6, 5, the angel answered me, these are the four spirits of heaven going out from standing in the presence of the Lord of the whole world. The four horses and riders are going out to the four winds of heaven. What does this mean? What do the four winds of heaven represent? The scripture used for the four winds to, do, uh, to refer to the sweeping judgment. So notice a few passages where the four, four winds are used. The four winds are used not just in Revelation, but it's used in uh, various places. Like in, in Daniel, another prophet, Daniel 11.4. After he has arisen, his empire will be broken up and parceled out toward the four winds of heaven. It will not go to his descendants, nor will it have the power he exercised, because his empire will be uprooted and given to others. Another place in Zechariah 2.6, come, come, flee from the land of the north, declares the Lord, for I have scattered you to the four winds of heaven, declares the Lord. Matthew chapter 24, verse 31, this is Jesus talking, and he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of the heaven to the other. And Zechariah, the four horsemen, are going to the four winds of heaven to unleash this sweeping judgment. In Revelation, they are doing the same thing. This image of the four horsemen is repeated to call to the reader's mind that this is an image of the coming of the sweeping judgment. So, the first four seals, okay? First four horsemen, sweeping judgment, four winds, all right? Four, um, four winds of the earth. The second seal... So the first seal was about military conquest. The first seal was about military conquest. The second seal is about a civil war. Revelation 6, 3, 4. When the Lamb opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, Come. Then another horse came out, a fiery red one. Its rider was given power to take peace from the earth and to make people kill each other. To him was given a large sword. So the lamb opens the second seal, and the second living creature says, come. And the, the opened seal reveals a bright red horse. It's, it's rider given authority to take peace from the earth so that people will kill one another. That's awful. Civil war. Christ has unleashed the removal of peace and the bringing of war. Based upon people's sins. Okay. You, you, you want to live it like this? Sure. Have at it. Let me know how that works out for you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to allow these things to happen if you want to live like this. Third seal. Third seal talks about famine. Uh, uh, Revelation 6, 5 through 6. When the lamb opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come. I looked, and there before me was a black horse. Its rider was holding a pair of scales in his hand. Then I heard what sounded like a voice among the four living creatures saying, Two pounds of wheat for a day's wages and six pounds of barley for a day's wages and do not damage the oil and the wine. All right, so let's 
Let's kind of talk about that a little bit. So the lamb opens a third seal. The third living creature announces come. The third seal reveals a black horse. And the rider had a pair of scales in his hand. The scales picture of rationing of food. A denarius was a day's wage. This amount suggests food prices about 8 to 16 times higher than normal because of famine conditions. A quart of wheat was only enough for one person to be sustained for one day. This was not enough food for a whole family. Barley was a lesser grain used by the poor. Three quarts of barley for denarius was enough for a typical family for one day. While the other necessity of oil and wine are not affected by pricing, a person would not be able to afford those necessities since one day's wages would, would only be enough for a day of food alone. Christ has unleashed famine on the inhabitants. So basically what this is saying is this, that, Christ, uh, that because of the famine, we're not going to be able to, you're not going to be able to get enough food. You're not going to be able to have, have enough money to even, to even buy all the food that you need. Fourth seal. The fourth seal is about death. Revelation 6, verse 7 through 8. When the lamb opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, Come, as I looked, and there before me was a pale horse. Its rider was named Death, and Hades was followed close behind him. There were given power over a fourth of the earth to kill by sword, famine, and plague, and by wild beasts of the earth. That's an awful way to die. When the, so let's talk about that. When the lamb opened the fourth seal, uh, the fourth living creature said, Come, the opened a seal, reveals a pale horse whose rider was death. They were given authority for the fourth of the earth to kill by sword, to kill by famine, plagues, wild beasts. And so death and Hades are given four tools to use to kill. Here is a place that we need to remember that these numbers are symbolic. The prophecy is not that two billion people would be killed, but the prophecy is showing that not everyone, not at all, these, uh, not everyone's going to be killed at the same time. These four tools for death are also common tools of God's judgment. For example, in Ezekiel, another prophet, Ezekiel, uh, talks about this in, in, um, in the Word of God declares judgment against Jerusalem. There's some similar language here. Ezekiel chapter 14, 21, it says this. For this is what the sovereign Lord says. How much worse would it be when I sinned against Jerusalem my four dreaded judgments, sword and famine, wild beasts and plague to kill its men and their animals? So you have the same sort of thing happening Whenever you have prophets prophesying against Jerusalem hundreds of years before. And so um, it's the same language and it means the same deal. So um, one point worthy of our consideration is the parallel, and I love this, the parallel between Matthew chapter 24 and the events of the four first four seals. As Jesus predicts the destruction of Jerusalem, notice the parallels between Matthew chapter 24, verse 6 through 11, and then Revelation 6, 1 through 8, which is what we just read. So Matthew chapter 24, 6 through 11, it is Jesus talking, right? So we're not just depending on John, Revelation. I mean, a lot of people think, man, what was John smoking? You know, what was he on to get all of this vision? Okay, if you just relied upon revelation, 
I could see where you may have an argument like, man, he was on something. Because none of that is nowhere else in the Bible. Wrong. It's in other places. I just, we just visited uh, several books in the Old Testament about prophets. And then we're also about to visit what Jesus had to say. Look at this parallel in chapter 24 of Matthew, verse 6. He says, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. Gosh, we're hearing that now. But see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom of against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. We're seeing that. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. And you will be hated by all nations because of me. Yeah, there are nations that hate Christianity. At that verse 10, at that time, many will turn away from the faith those who, who proclaim to be Christ followers, they will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. So in, in, in verse 6 of that, of that section, wars are predicted. In verse 7, kingdoms of nations attacking and conquering. In, uh, in verse 7, again, famines and earthquakes. In verse 9, being put to death. All of these can be seen very similar to the first four seals that Jesus opened. And so Jesus talks about it while he was here on this earth. He already gave that to us. Let's go to the fifth seal. The fifth seal is called, we're going to call it the martyrs. Revelation chapter 6, 9 through 11, it says, When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because the word of God and the testimony they had maintained. That's important. Because the word of God and the testimony they had maintained. Because of their faith. They called out in a loud voice, How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? Then each of them was given a white robe, and they were told to wait a little longer until the full number of their fellow servants, their brothers and sisters, were killed just as they had been. So in this seal, we are told why God is going to be bringing so much judgment. Why is God bringing so much judgment as we saw in seals 1, 2, and 3, and 4? Because souls have been slain for the word of God and their testimony. And when the time is right, the wicked will be avenged. Meanwhile, souls of the slain are comforted with white robes and rest. Who were these souls? Perhaps Christians who had already paid the supreme price for following Jesus, such as Stephen, James, all of those who had, who, who had been martyred. And it also includes those who are, who are even being martyred today. There, there are Christians who are being martyred today because of their faith, and they, and they refuse to deny God. We've had stories, in fact, there's a movie about to come out, about stories of students who were given the opportunity to deny Christ, to deny God and live, and they chose death. Students like that who died, who are no longer with us on this earth, who were caught in a, in a library with the gunman who didn't deny God, didn't deny Christ. These students are being comforted 
They're being comforted. They were slain for Christ and for their faith. The greater image is that these souls are victorious. The white robe represents they are victorious because of their purity and their faithfulness. These saints are conquerors because they have been faithful. You want to be a conqueror in heaven? You, you want to have sort of that special treatment in heaven? Take a bullet for Christ. Say, I don't need my head because I'm going to get a white robe in heaven. And I'm going to have my rest. You will be a conqueror. You will be a victor because of your faith. So the fifth seal, it's all about the martyrs. This is the reason why I'm a little mad right now, is what Jesus is saying. I'm a little mad right now because people are killing the people of faith. The sixth seal. The sixth seal, we're going to call it the rapture. Revelation chapter 6, 12 through 17. I watched as he opened the sixth seal. There was a great earthquake. The sun turned black like sackcloth made of goat hair. The whole moon turned blood red. And the stars in the sky fell to earth as figs dropped from a fig tree were shaken by strong wind. The heavens receded like a scroll being rolled up, and every mountain and island was removed from its place. Then the kings of the earth, the princes, the generals, the rich and mighty, and everyone else, both slave and free, hid in caves and among the rocks in the mountains. They called to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of the wrath has come, and who can withstand it? So the sixth seal describes the cosmic disturbances and despair of those trying to hide from God's wrath when Jesus returns in the rapture for his church. So, so people are going to freak out. When the rapture happens, those who are left behind are going to freak out. They're going to hide. They're going to be like, oh, dear God, they were right. They don't want to face the wrath of God. How do we know this will happen? Jesus talks about it as well. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 24. Again, it's not just John and his hallucination, as some people may think. It's, it's in other places. Matthew chapter 24, verse 29, it says, Immediately after the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky, and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. Then will appear the sign of the Son of Man, that's me, Jesus is talking, the Son of Man in heaven, that all of the peoples on the earth will mourn when they see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory, and he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the, there it is again, the four winds from one end of the heavens to the other. Now, isn't that amazing that we who are called, who have, if, if we have Christ, if we follow Christ, we have Christ in our life, he's going to call us back to heaven. He's going to call us as his own in the rapture. So that seals one through six. There's a seventh seal that we're not going to get to today. And, but we need to visit something else 
in the next chapter. We're going to get to the seven. We're going to get to the seventh seal next week in chapter eight. Then in chapter seven, as we move on, between the sixth and the seventh seals, there's an interlude in which John sees two visions. They may be designed to answer the question raised at the end of the previous chapter. What is the question? Here's a question in Revelation 6, 17. It says, for the great day of their wrath has come, and who can withstand it? Who can withstand it? So here's the first vision. Revelation, I'm in chapter 7, verse 1 through 8. After this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth, to prevent any wind from blowing on the land or on the sea or on any tree. Now, this again, this is after the rapture. Then I saw another angel coming up from the east, having the seal of the living God. He called out in a loud voice to the four angels who had been given power to harm the land and the sea. Do not harm the land or the sea or the trees until we put a seal on the foreheads of the servants of our God. Then I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144 we're going to see that number pop up later on. From all the tribes of Israel. And then they kind of they list 12,000 uh, people from each of those tribes. But who are these 144,000? They are the Jews who have been converted to Christ. They will be on the earth during the great tribulation, which is after the rapture, to lead those left on earth to a saving faith in Jesus. What happened to these new believers? We'll read, we'll read here in just a moment. So let's catch up. We have the rapture. Jesus comes back. Okay? Jesus comes back, takes, takes his bride, takes his church. And then before the seventh seal, there, and we're going to get this next week, there, there's silence and there's pause. And, and there's angels ready to move and to do just waiting for the next move, waiting for the next instruction from God. And, and instead, God says, we're going we're gonna to mark 144,000. So what's going to happen is, and what most scholars believe, is that the, the 144,000 are, 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 are Jews who have accepted Christ, who have realized, oh, wow, okay, we have the Old Testament prophets we have, the, we have the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. We, we, we have the New Testament. Obviously, um, the, the rapture has happened, and they're starting to put, piece all this together. And so God's going to reserve 144,000 of them on this earth after the rapture to stay here and win people to the Lord. Second vision starts verse, uh, verse 9. In chapter 7, after this, I, John, looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every tribe, nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels are standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. We talked about that last week. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. This is a peculiar verse. Then one of the elders asked me, John, 
These in white robes, who are they and where did they come from? I mean, John's like, dude, I don't know. You're the one that invited me into this vision. I answered, sir, you know. <laughs> and he said, these are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to the springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Who is this great crowd of people around the throne? It's a multitude of Gentiles are those who have accepted Jesus after the rapture and who are martyred for their faith during the tribulation. So the first four seals, God's wrath. First four seals, God's wrath. God's allowing these things to happen. In fact, a lot of biblical scholars believe, and, and, and so do I, a lot of, a lot of these things have, have already happened. Some of these things are happening now, the first four seals. And the fifth seal, the fifth seal, just it's a vision of, of the, the people who have died for their faith, the people who are dying today for their faith. And then we see in, in the sixth seal, and the sixth seal is when we see the, um, the rapture happening. So the rapture happens then God reserves 144,000, and during the tribulation, which is next, we'll get to that next week, you have people who have died and who have not taken the, the, the mark of the beast and, who, and who, who have said, you know, I'm not going to deny Christ. I believe, and those are the people who are now or who will be in heaven. And so you may ask, well, what about, what about us? What about us right now? If I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, what happened? Well, if Jesus comes back in our lifetime, which is a really cool thing, we get a, a really fast elevator ride to heaven. That's what happens. It's called the rapture. And that's, personally, that's how I want to go. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. I, I would much rather be caught up in the rapture than to die on this earth. But you know what? If I have to die on this earth, I'd rather die defending my faith and standing up for my faith. That's how I want to die, if I die on this earth. Amen. And so as we look at these seals and look to see what's, gonna, what's happening, you can even see some of this happening now. We've got to prepare ourselves. And not just to prepare ourselves, we've got to prepare our family. Go back to the illustration where, where I talked to you about envelopes and you giving me envelopes and, and each envelope was a clue as what's going to happen to our house. You know, I could have prepared my son who was in the, whose bedroom is in the basement and say, okay, Logan, your bedroom is going to have water in it and ceiling tiles are going to be out and 
your, your carpet's going to be all wet, and it's going to be a mess for a really long time. I, I'm just letting you know that this is going to happen. We don't know when, but it's going to happen. I just want to prepare you for that. Using that as, I mean, just, if you could just bear with me, as an example, just a small example of this. We need to be prepared for what is going to happen. Because, let me tell you, it will happen. Not only is it in Revelation, not only has it been spoken by Jesus, but also spoken by prophets hundreds of years before. John even wrote Revelation. So, I want to close with a little bit of hope. <laughs> because let me tell you something. You, you, you try to come to church with a little bit of hope. And we, we, we already live in a world where there's a little bit, a, a lot of despair, a lot of frustration, a lot of hopelessness. But I want to go back to Revelation chapter 7, verse 17. The last verse we just read. And we're going to end with this verse right here. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Now that is hope. Jesus, our shepherd, is going to wipe every tear from our eyes. There's not going to be sorrow. There's going to be joy. There's going to be peace. There's going to be hope. But let me ask you something. Some of you could be here today. You say, you know, Frank, you're talking about the rapture thing. You know, I, I don't know if, if, if Jesus come back today, I don't know if I would actually be raptured. Or, let's take it something that's, that's actually could happen, like at any moment besides a rapture, is that we don't know if today is our last day. There's no guarantee for tomorrow. Something can happen in an instant. Are you ready? Are you ready? Because if you die and you don't know Christ... If you don't, if you never accepted him as Savior, if you've never said, Lord, please forgive me my sin. I, I confess my sin to you. I'm sorry. Please come into my life. Be Lord of my life. You cannot go to heaven. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And this book is full of that. It's a story about Jesus. And so, if you're sitting here today, and you're like, Frank, if I were to die today, I don't know if I'll be around that throne. I just don't. If you are unsure, then you're, you're not ready. Because when you, when you accept Christ as Savior, you don't doubt. You don't doubt. You say, you know, I've accepted Christ. I remember the time. That's why, that's why we do baptism. That's why we do baptism. That's why baptism is important. Because it's a symbol. It's something that you're doing 
outside and you can remember, man, I, I got my certificate. I remember the day. I remember the people that were there. I said, I follow Christ. That's why we get baptized. Baptized. 